we basically were given um, the exemption clause. We were told we were, we were okay to go ahead. And then I gave the go ahead to open air events and they um, constructed uh, my beautiful marquee out the front. And um, we were up and trading for about uh, a month, I would say, three and a half weeks. And then uh, Maribyrnong City Council um, then approached us through a municipal surveyor saying that the structure was actually now permanent, considered permanent, and it, we had seven days to remove it. Today on Dirty Linen, we are sticking in Melbourne town and we're talking to Eamon Wamsley from Charles and Gammon over in the West. Um, Eamon, welcome to the show. Thanks, Danny. Now, I've just had an experience in my local neighbourhood over in the inner south, I guess you'd call it, um, which I think is relevant to the conversation that we're going to have today. Uh, I went and had a burrito, a San Francisco-style mission burrito, um, in a back alley in Ripon Lee, not far from me. And the reason that I had to eat the burrito in the back alley and not in the restaurant that they're trying to build is that they are having all kinds of fun with the city of Port Phillip trying to get permissions through to um, yeah get it all to spec so that they're allowed to do what they want to do and bring burritos to the people. Is this a story that resonates with you? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that's uh, apart from now wanting a burrito, that sounds very familiar. Oh, my God. You know that thing with burritos where you're like, I'm just going to have half and have half later and then suddenly it's all gone? I don't think I've ever eaten Mexican and then at the end of eating Mexican sat back and gone, I don't know what's wrong with me mentally, but I now I'm in pain, but I'm going to do it again tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> the Mission Burritos, I lived in San Francisco ages ago for a while and the Mission Burritos are just their own species. So they're, they're really big, they're always wrapped in foil and they've got the rice and the beans and the meat or the veg and, you know, maybe some salad and some salsa and all that good stuff inside and they're pretty epic. Um, and I, I was really, yeah, I haven't had one in Melbourne, so I was really thrown back to that time and it was it was a very pleasurable little journey. Um, so, Eamon, put us in the picture. Tell us a little bit about the business that you've got there and, um, yeah, then tell us what's been happening. Yeah, sure. Um, so I um, have been in the Melbourne hospitality scene for about 16, 17 years um, and about two and a half years ago, um, I got the opportunity to, I'd always kind of had my eye on, on having my own place after, you know, managing uh, several venues. Uh, it's always, I think, in the back of everyone who works in hospitality, it's, it's an option at some point. And um, I looked at uh, places, you know, as far out as Castlemaine and uh, friends of mine bought the, uh, the Bridge Pub and I helped them set up all that with logistics and they do an amazing job. And I guess off the back of that, my search got a little bit more intense and then we got an opportunity. I live in Yarraville and then um, Seddon obviously is about four and a half minutes away from, uh, from Yarraville. And uh, yeah, the opportunity came up with beautiful little corner in Seddon, Charles and Gammon on the corner of Charles and Gammon street. And uh, I just, I, I knew on the first inspection with the real estate that, um, that this was the one I wanted. Um, so yeah, uh, we uh, did a, a massive refurb interior on, on the interior. Um, we got the courtyard up all up to um, up to spec, and um, sort of really tried to celebrate, you know, that that little village community, um, you know, west side feeling. Um, the west is uh, very very parochial, and they um, certainly, you know, they welcomed us with open arms. And um, yeah, so we opened our little our little wine bar and restaurant. Um, got some. Uh, I, have a massive focus on small batch sort of independent uh, small batch producer wine producers 
so we got a uh, wine list of my dreams, <laughs> got it, got up and running, and um, yeah, uh, served sort of uh, Italian Mediterranean influenced food, and um, yeah, we just uh, just kicked off the winter menu a couple of weeks ago. So yes, and then um, yeah, then <laughs> a tale that uh, rivals um, any anything that Homer put down uh, just started uh, about two months ago. So with the outdoor structure that we were looking to winterproof the venue with, so. So I guess, you know, every restaurant and hospitality business in Melbourne has been looking at outdoor dining. It certainly got a lot of businesses through summer with trading so restricted, but a Melbourne winter is not uh, necessarily balmy. Um, <laughs> and so people have been thinking about, well, how can I weatherproof this a little bit and just um, get a little bit more reliability into these spaces? So, yeah, tell us about your journey. Yeah, so um, after our, the first, oh, I should uh, after the second lockdown, the, uh, the obviously the Victorian based lockdown, um, like every like every small business out there, um, sort of we came out kind of thinking about what our options are, and we knew we we knew we had a good summer ahead of us, but we also you know had the eye on what Melbourne was Melbourne winter was going to be like, and uh, we came up with the idea for a. Um, uh, a temporary outdoor structure that would basically enclose the courtyard, allowing us to still have, you know, both inside and and outside, um, you know, accessible to to the to the diners. Um, so we approached Maribyrnong City Council uh, in uh, early April. Um, we first approached uh, building department. We were redirected from building to urban planning um, and urban planning sent us through the clause around the exemptions around um, structures and outdoor dining. Um, we weren't eligible for the original parklet outlay as the courtyard itself was on is in private property. It's our property. Um, so we basically were given um, the exemption clause. We were told we were, we were okay to go ahead. Um, being a, a cautious fellow, I, <laughs> I asked for a letter of comfort, um, which we would, um, which we paid for. Um, we received that, and then I gave the go-ahead to Open Air Events, and they um, constructed uh, my beautiful marquee out the front. And um, we were up and trading for about uh, a month, I would say, three and a half weeks. And then uh, Maribyrnong City Council um, then approached us through a municipal surveyor saying that the structure was actually now permanent, considered permanent, and it, we had seven days to remove it. Oh, man. <laughs> I said words along those lines. There was a few more expletives involved. but I can imagine. So, I mean, to me it sounds like you went through all the correct channels and obviously you had that element of doubt that, you know, what you'd been told was was ship shape and you asked for that letter of comfort. Um, so, I mean, what happened next? Um, so yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I, um, in my, you know, in my career, I've, I've done several, you know, several fit outs of, of hospitality venues and, um, you know, commercial and retail venues. I know that everything needs to be, you know, dotted and crossed. There was nothing, you know, uh, surreptitious about what the way we, we wanted to do this. So the order was issued for removal. Um, we were given seven days to, uh, it was an emergency removal. It was in the first week of the most recent lockdown. Um, so obviously I was trying to explain that, you know, the marquee company would not be able to come out and, you know, um, get, get this without the workers being COVID tested. Um, we were told that 
if we didn't remove in seven days, the, they would be back for removal with the police involved. Um, oh yeah, it got um, it got tense. Yeah, um, and then basically there was just no opportunity to have any sort of dialogue. Um, the order was issued. That was it. There was no there was no turning back. Um, I then made a social media post um, that was. I, I mean every word of this. It was not made in anger. It was literally a cry for, does anyone know anyone I'd be able to at least open a dialogue with? Is there someone I can talk to? Um, and that certainly got some traction <laughs> in the West, certainly, but then uh, on a wider um, on a wider audience, I, I feel a lot of people, certainly the amount of people who reached out with me uh, to me with very, very similar stories and, you know, similar experiences, um, and then uh, 3AW called me to have a conversation. Um, I gave them a quick outline of um, with uh, Neil Mitchell and gave them a quick outline of what had, what had taken place. And an hour and a half later, I was on the air again with um, the mayor for um, uh, Maribyrnong City Council, Michael Clark, um, who issued a public apology and said that he could see that the wrong thing had been done, that nothing was going to be taken down. Um, and to my mind, it was it was resolved. Um, that was on the Thursday afternoon after I'd made the social media post on the Wednesday. On the Friday at 9 o'clock, I got a, a phone call saying that we were still in breach of the order and um, we were now actually trading illegally, um, which I sort of was trying to say, I, I, my understanding was this was resolved. Um, that was not the case. We applied for an extension of time for that order, which was granted. It was another seven days. Um, and then basically having the marquee company on standby um, because, you know, obviously we, we didn't want, we had to open. We had to open on the Friday, uh, last Friday when everybody else opened. Like everybody else, we've had two weeks of, very, very limited trade, you know, down to just, you know, some takeaway coffees and some takeaway, um, takeaway wine. Um, and the, my, I engaged a building surveyor. He was in extensive contact with the gentleman who issued the order to us. Um, and what ended up being the only way we could get through or have the order removed was the removal of 75% of the structure. Oh my God. And what about the mayor? Eamon, this is so, I mean, you mentioned Homer. I, I also want to bring Kafka in. I mean, the literary giants have, you know, dealt with this. Um, this is so ridiculous. Okay, so please continue. Oh, I know. It's so, and Danny, of all the things I would ever want to talk to you about on your incredible podcast, a tent is not, <laughs> it's not one of them. We cover every issue, including tents. Tent issues, absolutely. <laughs> Kafka-esque tent issues. Um, so, yeah, um, basically uh, the amount of people who, you know, had walked by, obviously it was the first day of, of everyone being allowed back out in some, in some form. Um, the amount of people who then started, you know, uh, ringing the venue or, or uh, DMing me and, um, certainly uh, looking at um, what, what was happening, it's very exposed. We're on a corner um, and obviously they, they could see the dismantling. A lot of people had, you know, who'd offered help were asking for updates and I made a second post then basically saying, this is what's happening, guys. Um, we were offered a um, – so the, um, we were called into a meeting at um, 
at Town Hall and we were offered a, a solution where if I turned the back wall uh, where there's a door that's not in use, if I turned that into a wall um, then and got a building permit that the owner would, of the building would need to issue um, that would end up having to go back through the same gentleman who issued the removal order, um, we'd be able to add one of the bays back. Um, but honestly, Danny, it's, uh, you know, how many times can you can you get up off the mat, let alone the cost of getting the marquee company to, you know, assemble and disassemble and come back out and, you know, then building permits to turn doors into walls. And, um, you know, I don't think anyone in hospitality has got money like that to throw around, especially, you know, we're, we're coming into the dog days of winter. Um, so there, that's it. <laughs> that's where we're at. So that's where it, so you've got 25% of uh, a marquee. Is that where it at? If that's where it stands. That's where it stands. So just like pulling back from the incredible, slight like baffling detail of the situation that you've outlined with appropriate size and not, yeah, no swear words, which is amazing. <laughs> I'm sure, I'm sure you said a few. Well, can you see a reason for this? Like, is the council coming from somewhere? Well, I, I can see it's a it's a really good question, Danny. Uh, I, I can see that what they're saying basically was that, you know, the, the structure itself impeded entrance and exit because we'd constructed a door that would obviously be able to slid back and forth across the entrance to the beer garden. We've got the two entrances internally in the venue as well. Um, and I was sort of trying to say, is, is that, but what, what ended up happening was that the goal kept changing or, the, or the, certainly the reasoning kept changing. At one point, it was an, an argument, this paradoxical arm, argument about a temporary structure versus a permanent structure, the permanent structure because it connected to the building. So I needed to get it passed as a, as a permanent structure, which no building surveyor on the planet would do because it's a tent. So when the connection you know, of the marquee was removed, does it then become a permanent structure because it's, um, you know, separate to the building? Um, that then it became, you know, then it was fire exits um, and that, that became kind of the focus. Um, we, there was uh, heaters inside the marquee. Um, that was a concern. We went back to the marquee company and all their, so they are the go-to company for Port Phillip and City of Melbourne. They've got over 150 structures like this around. We've sent back all the fire certification. Um, they've been incredible. Like the amount of hoops we've asked these guys to jump through um, has been amazing. So, sorry to answer your question. I, I, I see what they now have come back to us saying these are our concerns, but I feel we've done everything above and beyond more than you know to 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 satisfy any of those concerns um and and i guess it was just a case of pleading you know begging and pleading going there has to be some sort of agile thinking here or some sort of you know maneuver or, or pivoting that we can do given where we're at given the you know the the state of the state of things in general, um, that we'd be able to sort of come to some sort of resolution that didn't involve as much of a reduction. I mean, the, the structure as it is now, while I'm thankful to have it, becomes slightly redundant as what we were hoping it to be, you know, um, due to the fact that it has to be open at all times. 
Um, no heat is allowed in there. You know, it's it's essentially, you know, it's a it's it's a tent on the worst night of of your life camping. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I've been there. Oh my goodness! I mean, I suppose the kinds of like you know top level concerns that they're raising around safety and access and all that stuff like fine but tell you along the way don't let you build it spend money on it you know rely on it i mean this this vision of you on the day that you're allowed to open for trade after two incredibly tough weeks the idea of what you're doing on that day being removing seating when it's so restricted anyway is just totally Heartbreaking. Oh, that's that's the exact word. I mean, we just, you know, me and my team, we just, we just had nothing left. You know, we're, we're you know, we'll we'll rally and we're amazing and we've got we've got an amazing community around us and my team's one of a kind. But you know, you you do you do get to the point where you just say, you know what, that's enough for <laughs> that's enough for today. <laughs> yeah, I mean, what drink do you pour to deal with this? Archie Rose Rye, single malt rye. Oh, well, at least you've got an answer for that. <laughs> I think what, you know, we've all looked to from the various levels of government through all this, like, just stress and trauma and confusion is just a bit of a clear through line. And, of course, you know, everybody's in a bunch of new situations that are all clashing and colliding. But I just think that for the mayor to come on and say, dude, like, you know, hand on heart, we 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 got it wrong. But then, obviously, the buck did not stop with him. Um, and someone's tapped him on the shoulder afterwards and said, "Actually, no, you don't have the authority to decide this." I mean, it's just it's just so frustrating. Yeah, I mean, the, there was that. I, I think it's the, as well. It's the it's that sense of okay, we got through here. We we you know we're 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 now speaking to you know there's a human connection there's an understanding of what we're all going through you know our team you know my team needs to get back to work you know a lot of them are kids and you know like sorry that's very patronizing they're young people anyone born in the 90s is a kid to me so um <laughs> um but you know they needed to get back to work and we needed to get back open um so i guess it was that feeling of you know, we got we got there. We got a result. We you know we can keep our space. We you know we, we'll we'll winterproof ourselves, and then in you know when the sun comes back out, <laughs> figuratively and metaphorically, we can take it down. And we you know we hopefully we, we like it like everybody like this very well worn, you know narrative that everyone's got. We start building back up, you know, and we start you know being that place where people can come back to and and that community space and. It, to to then feel that and then have that taken away again is just you know no one's got the strength for that mentally or, or physically or emotionally you know like we're all we're all at our our tethers end here financially of course yes exactly okay Eamon, so we've been on the tent for 20 minutes and i reckon that's good because we need to talk about it. But what else would you like to chat about? Oh, look, I mean, you know, it's we've got we've got an amazing place here. You know, the the West is, um, you know, every every time I, I come around the corner in the West, I see a new little venture, and you know, Seddon and Yarraville have really started to become um, these little diamonds. You know, obviously with Grazeland and you know Mabu Mabu and Yarraville, and 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 hopefully I can say that they're my peers you know we've got Luxmith and, and obviously my venue in Charles and Gammon is is great but um, 
I also am the operations director for a biodiversity company and we're about to uh, open Melbourne Sky Farm in uh, a few weeks, which will be an urban uh, urban biodiversity centre on the old Sidley Street car park on Warrandingi Way there. So um, that'll that'll be heroing, you know, native produce and um, and food and beverage on on the rooftop overlooking overlooking the Yarra. Ironically, overlooking South Wharf was where where I started uh, started my hospitality career in Melbourne. So it's uh, very much a sense of coming full circle. That's amazing. So I was going to ask you about that because that's your your email address is Odenata. Is that how you say yes. it? Yes. Yes. So Odenata is in the business of biodiversity, as the website says. Tell me, tell me what it actually is. What do you What do you do? Um, so basically, we uh, create business solutions for uh, environmental uh, environmental problems. So um, we've got. A, uh, we've got several several different programs, but we uh, we also funded the Great Platypus Search, which was um, one of the largest undertakings of um, researching and, and tracking uh, uh, native uh, Australian native animals. We've got Mount Rothwell, which is uh, in the process of uh, reintroducing endangered species, and for the first time in Australian history, we we're able to take two species off the endangered species off the uh, extinction. A list and put them onto the endangered species list with the reintroduction of um, of the uh, eastern quoll and the um, banded bandicoot uh, into Mount Rothwell, and then um, Sky Farm will obviously be a, a real megaphone site for us. Um, you know, with you know uh, urban farming, obviously a lot of people now are looking at you know ways that they can sort of reintroduce themselves back into a you know into the food and uh, food and beverage cycle and um, and farming itself, and in you know obviously. Higher, higher population density areas, um, and we've also got a project with ACT um, with Canberra, Canberra government, um, which is uh, Mulligan's Flat, which is a, uh, a gateway building that we're building, uh, which will be um, a, a massive focus on on First Peoples uh, um, and native ingredients, and uh, you know a, a, a learning centre about the um, the sanctuary itself at, at Mulligan's Flat. So it's uh, that opens in. October, so we're very, very excited about that. That's been a four-year, a four-year project. So we've got, we've got lots of irons in the fire. Wow, it's so amazing! Like, how do you come to have these two quite different but quite um, occupying strands to what you do? Um, well, I, as you would know quite well, Danny, everyone in hospitality wears a lot of different hats, and um, you know, if, if you're you know, if, if you're up for the challenge, there's always there's always a bigger and better uh, challenge around the corner. Um, so I started it uh, when I first arrived in Melbourne, uh, down around the the Malthouse Theatre and the Arts Precinct there, and then got involved with the Cabaret Festival, then the International Arts Festival and Spiegel Tent. And um, over the years, I made contacts with people who'd asked me opinions about fit-outs and feasibility plans and um, projections, and uh, slowly but surely met... Um, Nigel Sharp, who is the uh, the founder and director of Odenata, and uh, we hit it off um, very very quickly. And uh, Sam and Nadia and the team, uh, we all we all work hand in hand. So um, my focus was then on a lot of the commercial sort of aspects of of what we do within the biodiversity business. And um, Sam and the team have you know got all the endangered species uh, breeding programs and um, you know carbon uh, uh, carbon offsets and um, you know just just anything basically in regards to you know that biodiversity business which we found is you know if you approach it with you know with with some with some common sense is an extraordinary you know extraordinary growth 
market at the moment and um and there's a real appetite for for it with it with people you know becoming ever more aware of you know the the, the challenges we face environmentally so um it's been it's been the job of a lifetime i've, I've never been happier in in what i do you know um and charles and gammon as a as a venue that i own is a is a is a you know it's a dream come true to have that on this on the side of a of a full-time job that i adore so that the only thing really is a tent danny that stopped me from true happiness <laughs> <laughs> um with the sky farm like what is the is there a visitor experience part of that yeah I mean, what- absolutely so we're, we're we're building it as we speak so um odonata in association with australian ecosystems who do some incredible work um they uh we are putting the activation landscape up there now um, just to basically get an understanding of what's going to thrive and what's going to change um, the fit out on uh, deck C, which is the old higher deck on the car park um, that commences construction in the next eight weeks. Um, and we plan to have, you know, um, uh, hives, um, you know, we're, we're doing as many native ingredients up there as well as we can um and then when we're basically looking to open you know sort of just as the sun comes back out around october november um we'll be uh we'll be shouting literally from the rooftop um that we're open for visitors so but the um the the website is up and going so it's uh, melbourneskyfarm.com you can see some beautiful renders there of what we're what we're looking to do i'm so excited um I was actually wondering about the platypus in the recent huge rains and the floods, just thinking the rivers must have been rushing in such an intense way. I hope that they're okay. Yeah, well, the, um, you know, the, the smaller waterways where, um, where the platypus, you know, is, is, is most at home, obviously got absolutely ravaged in the last couple of weeks even. Um, so the incredible team are, are doing, you know, uh, just, just, I mean, to me, it's, it's magic. Uh, it's, it's bordering on sorcery, you know, the way that they're able to, you know, track and make sure that the habitat is, is um, rehabilitated and, um, you know, even relocate some of the animals as well, you know, into, into safer, uh, more secure waterways. But you, you know, my, over the last five years working with Odonata, it's, it's a, it's a, terrifying um, journey sometimes to realize just how fragile and delicate everything is everything literally you know hangs on these tiny little balances and you know um, and, and population control and you know what and you know how how these these things are all you know at the mercy of, of us you know as, as as humans so it's um it's been extraordinary but they are doing okay I can I can um, actually very happily tell you that um, you know that a lot of them have a lot of the little populations in New South Wales and Victoria have actually never been healthier so it's uh, it's good so I'm, I'm hoping there's not too much ramification from the recent flooding that's really really all very amazing because I honestly there is nothing as exciting and beautiful as seeing a little platypus in the wild it's such a thrill isn't it it's um, it's so it's, exciting yeah yeah it's, um, it's one of those <laughs> it's only happened to me about twice but it's just you can spend like a, a river canoeing along um, a river I think it's the Mitchell and just um, all day just wanting to see a platypus and then thinking, is that bubble one? Is that bubble one? Is that ripple? What's that ripple? You look for that little <laughs> slick hump to come up out of the water and that, I mean, they are the most hypnotising animals, you know, like uh, I've, I've been lucky enough now to be able to, you know, hold, you know, spotted quolls and betongs and, 
but there's something so enigmatic about you know the platypus and obviously you know going back to the famous you know um stories of people not believing it when it was brought back to um brought back to england after you know being found that believing it was stitched together and they they are they're you know they they you know they lay eggs because you know they they have pouches what's going on (laughs) i know they're just the best we're so lucky to live in the same land as them and yeah like god we can't yeah, we're so horrible to make it so hard for them. Um, Eamon, how does all this sort of this incredible perspective that you must have from the work with biodiversity and just thinking about the natural environment, how does that sort of help you with a mindset for dealing with all the other stuff in hospitality through this period? Um, well, I think it gives you perspective, Danny. I think, you know, it, it's it's the understanding that, you know, from – you know, the people who are around you, you know, uh, here I'm actually at the venue at the moment. We're just getting set up for service for tonight. Um, you know, it's it, it's it's maybe just every now and again being able to step back and, and sort of see that if you've got the right people around you, you know, you can literally do anything. You, you know, you can build, you know, a, a sanctuary building in, in the ACT. You can, you can build a, a farm on a roof, you know, in the sky. You can, you know, you can have your own venue. You can, you can do it if you, if you rise to the challenge. And, you know, um, I often wondered before I owned Charles and Gammon, I would look at, you know, my director and Nigel and ask that same question, you know, how, how, how do you do all this stuff? And, you know, the answer he always told me was just, you know, making sure you have good people around you. And uh, yeah, I, I, in my experience now, you know, having my own business and, and working full time in this extraordinary field, it, um, it, it holds true. There's absolutely no, no word of a lie in that. So. But can you put up a tent? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> No, that, that, yeah. that's that, come on, Danny. Let's not let's not get, get let's not get crazy. There's, um, I can put up, I can put up a fifth of, I can put up a fifth of a tent. <laughs> well, we just have to live with that. Um, Eamon, is there anything else that you'd like to say? No, no, that's it. Thank you so much. I hope the next time we talk is about you know, um, you know, I've. I've won greatest wine list in the history of the world or something. (laughs) Yeah, let's make it happen. Well, I wish you customers that only look at the top shelf and um, they drink quickly and then make room for the next person. Absolutely. Well, if you're ever in the West, please drop by and and say hello. The first round's on me. Thanks. I love the West. All right, see you soon. Thanks, Eamon. Thanks, Danny. Bye. This is Dirty Linen and I'm Danny Vallant. We air the issues that the hospitality industry finds hard to talk about. We spend a week thrashing around each issue, hearing from different people with unique perspectives. We want to hear from you as well. If you have something that needs to be said about a topic, get in touch so we can include your perspective. Contact us at dirtylinen at deepintheweeds.com.au or hit us up on Insta at Dirty Linen Podcast. We can't wait to hear from you. This.